0: Cautiously optimistic that my internet is better and we'll have a great
1: podcast. But
0: otherwise, you know, we made it through hump day, so we get to talk about sports and we're on the back half of work week, so it feels pretty good.
1: Feels good, man. I'm still recovering from this past weekend. I went up to Green Bay for the Packers Lions game. I was one of all five maybe Detroit Lions fans in the stands, but it was so much fun waving goodbye to Aaron Rodgers. I then had to drive two hours back to Milwaukee. Uh was couldn't sleep that night. I, I was just on cloud nine. I was so, had so much adrenaline in my veins. And then the next day I had to fly back. And then today I'm just like still so drained. So um, totally worth it. it. Was an incredible trip. Was an incredible game. Amon Ra won it with three toes and his butt cheek, and it was just so much fun watching them have nothing to play for and still knock off the Packers. I, I'm still giddy about it every time I think about it. Like I can't believe it happened. Second place in the division, no playoffs. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say they
0: had nothing to play for. That was a, that was a pride matchup,
1: and you know what they they won,
0: and that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, they beat the allegations. I I think that this has a lot of good momentum going into next season. I know like there's no moral victories or whatever, but I think it's just going to be very very helpful for us to be able to retain our coaching talent. I could honestly see ben johnson who we're going to talk about here in a bit with the coaching carousel i could see him sticking around now that we have all this momentum and such and honestly this might force out aaron Rodgers out of the division which has been like our boogeyman for years and years and years and so if he could go away justin fields gets traded which we're going to talk about a bit too this division could be ours very very quickly a lot of people were saying NFC North is kind of won by the lions. I I didn't say other people are saying Vikings are fraudulent. The Packers are fraudulent the bears are awful. So things are on the up and up. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, it's it's definitely possibly the greatest day in NFC North history, at least for a long time, right? The bears end with the number one overall pick just somehow snuck in there. Thanks to lovey Smith from the grave, you know, helping them out. The Vikings maintain that number two seed, which is not as important as it used to be, but still relevant. You're, you're playing, um, or no, sorry. They got the three seed. They didn't have the two, but I mean, they're, they're they saw their home game, you know, and, and most importantly, the Packers, uh, out of the playoffs, which feels great. He's, like, you said, they've been the boogeyman of the NFC North lines. in on a high note, it was just like an awesome day for NFC North fans. As long as you're not a Packers fan.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about that Patriots loss? Like you all had all the negative momentum on your side. You didn't have the DeMar Hamlin momentum, uh, which we sh- haven't mentioned yet on the pod. Looks like he's good to go. He was discharged from the hospital, which is honestly a miracle. Like I don't think a lot of people realized how dire that situation was for a while. It was not looking great. And then he just, Pulled a 180 and he looks freaking great now. And he's back home and he was on video watching the Bills Patriots game too and everything. So, uh, what, what did you think of your Patriots performance on Sunday? Do you think this is bad momentum or you think it's just a lost season?
0: I think honestly, the moment we hired Patricia, it was just kind of a lost season. Uh, he, he just really has no business being a coordinator, like he's a, a decent football mind. It's just once the coordinating part comes into it, it, it goes south. Um, uh, we. We gave ourselves a a good chance, you know, we were really, I mean, we had the lead for a bit, like we were moving the ball, you know, not like incredibly well, but you know, pretty good for how our season's been, but man, our special teams, which has been historically bad, especially for a Patriots standard had their worst outing of the season. This is a season where we had two, if not three blocked punts happen. Like this has just been abysmal. If you're a Patriots fan used to just pristine special teams and you give up, you know, two he gave me touchdowns like you're not coming back from that it's the same as you know relying on pick sixes or you know expecting pick sixes to happen like you just can't so if you give up two huge plays like that like you just can't expect to win in the nfl it's, it's like giving a free touchdown to the other team right like just it, i it was just so frustrating to watch and it's just kind of like the the you know capstone to a frustrating season where it's just like nothing felt patriot-esque for for the fans
1: Yeah, you have to feel good, though, that Mac Jones kind of won that quarterback duel, right? It was Mac versus Josh Allen. Josh Allen honestly didn't really beat you guys. If it wasn't for the two uh, kick return touchdowns, that game was completely different. Uh, Definitely not Patriots-type football with the special teams errors. And I think it's so interesting that your guys' special teams is so disciplined on your offensive side, like when you're doing your own returns, but whenever you're defending a return, it like all hell breaks loose. It's very, very strange watching it. And anyone that's played football before, like it, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you just keep to your lane, you play contained football, and things kind of tend to work out unless the return player just does something insane and breaks like 10 tackles. We see that sometimes. But for whatever reason, the Patriots just lose all discipline on those returns. And like guys are just out of the position, out of the way, not where they need to be. And then it just costs you guys big time. So very, very, right.
0: and, and that's something that we had never really done before either. You know, we were always the team that was able to do like the the sky kicks and pin someone within the 10 or 15 yard line because we could cover so well. Um, and, and then even worse is like that was Matt Slater's last game. Like he's going out like in tears. Like I can't believe I let my unit do that to, you know, to ruin our chances at the
1: playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of guy. your guys is always the edge, right? Like having that special teams is just head and shoulders above where everybody else was at. So it was a shock. I was shocked with how much Nick Folk has fallen off this year. Folk Folk, Kerry Brown's name. He was one of the best kickers in my mind last year. He was on a lot of my fancy teams playing extremely well up there with like the Carlson's and the Buckers that kind of that tier right below Justin Tucker. He seemed to really fall off this year, not to be talking about kickers for five minutes, but I, I was shocked uh, by that.
0: Yeah, not not the best season for him. I, the thing that didn't help was Jake Bailey got injured and was kind of had a weird off season or uh, like down season. And then that put him on kickoff duties, which he had not you know historically done because so then you're kind of changing up your kicking motion. I, I can't imagine that was beneficial for him. But then even worse, like he couldn't kick a touchback. Right. So then when your coverage is terrible, like you just need to bomb that ball at the end of the end, out of the end zone and, and, you know, just get your defense on the field, especially as good as our defense was. And we just could not do that. Like having Jake Bailey, even though his punting was, was pretty abysmal, just kick the ball at the end zone would have been huge for us just this entire season.
1: Maybe this will be the thing that gets the XS, XFL kickoff to the NFL. I think that'd be pretty exciting. Uh, the Patriots had a bad Sunday, but TCU had an even worse Monday uh, I didn't end up getting to watch this game because I was actually on a flight, but holy shit, I, I got off the plane. And it was 65 to seven. I got back to Texas and it felt like a funeral in that airport. No one was happy. Actually, I bought a shirt. Got a, I got a hypnotoad shirt because, you know, when you have to, and it's a cool feature of reference like that, but they fell apart. Max Duggan did not look like the Heisen finalist that he was supposed to be. So did, were you able to catch this one? I,
0: well, I watched the first half. And, you know, after that, it looked like okay, they're gonna run out the clock, and then you know interception to get the ball back, end up making it like thirty eight to seven. I was like, yeah, we know where this is going. I I get it. Right, that that whole first half was probably the worst football TCU's played the whole season, and like that, that is not when you need it to happen. Uh, just just ugly, all around. I, I think everyone felt Georgia was definitely a class above TCU. I mean, they felt like a class above everybody until really that Ohio State game where they had to kind of pull some magic out of their hat. But, you know, no one was like, yeah, a 60 point dog. Like they're like, okay, you know, Georgia wins by two or three touchdowns. Maybe it looks like uh, what that like LSU Clemson um championship where it's like LSU had it the whole time, but it, it kind of got a little close because of some Trevor Lawrence magic. So everyone's saying, you know, maybe that like Duggan can, you know, bomb it. So maybe it should have been like a four score game, but it ends up being like a two or three score game. No, it, it was just an absolute dominant performance and an absolute snooze fest for anyone that, uh wanted to watch a good college football game
1: yeah definitely a weird one and the line wasn't even that crazy either either it was 13 and a half to open so it wasn't like a 20 or 30 point line that we sometimes see with these types of blowouts in college football was a close one so i was looking over the box score earlier and quentin johnson who a lot of people are expecting myself included to be the number one overall receiver taken in this upcoming nfl draft He had one catch for three yards for TCU. Like, I don't know how you do that in a title game, just like disappear like that. Honestly, it's kind of making me question a lot of my eval with him. And yeah, Max Duggan, who was supposed to be one of those guys, a lot of people were saying after USC got knocked out by Utah, Max Duggan maybe should have won Heisman. And that did not look like a Heisman worthy performance uh, the other night. My last thought with this is I was hearing a lot of people, reporters and such, talking about the game afterwards, and sideline reporters are saying, I went from the Georgia sideline over the TCU sideline. And it was just like night and day difference in terms of how big the Georgia players were. We saw it with Jordan Davis, the now defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, how massive that guy is. But it's just across the board, apparently, with Georgia. They just have guys that are just on a different level of existence, basically, they're aliens compared to everybody else. So it's going to be a tough, tough year next year for anyone to try to surpass Georgia, not only for their size, but also their schedule is so, so simple. They don't play any tough crossover games. So next year might be Georgia's year again and get a three P.
0: But would you put Stetson Bennett in that alien uh category as well? No, no he's a car salesman. Oh hey. OK, he, he's going to get drafted, right? Like he deserves it. I feel like he's earned himself a, you know, a chance, right?
1: a seventh round pick, maybe priority undrafted free agent or something at the end.
0: Uh, You're you're doing the guy dirty. He's only, you know, back to back national champion.
1: Yeah, but like he just doesn't have the prototypical size and he doesn't have that zip by any means. I I think that he'll be like a fifth round pick if I had to project right now. Do you think he's going to go higher? Uh, I mean, you say no, but like Brock Purdy's tearing the
0: NFL apart right now and. You know, I mean, I I guess we could just sit here and look at all the the past white quarterbacks, but it's like, you know, we can't just ignore the fact that he's sneaky athletic, not to be like a a troll, but he's actually, you know, he was able to clock like a 20 mile per hour sprint speed. You know, he's, he's got an accurate arm. Yeah, it's not like a laser beam or anything, but, you know, there's been plenty of quarterbacks that prove accuracy and, and timeliness of throws is more than enough
1: to win NFL games. The age is just killer, though, right? Like, at least with Purdy, you're not, like, drafting a guy who's supposed to be a finished product. Like, Purdy at least has those years of development and everything that could be ahead of him even after this season. With Stetson Bennett, like, 25, almost 26 years old by the time he starts for the NFL next year, like he, he should just be who he's supposed to be, unless he's just one of those one in a million late bloomers or something like that. So I, I, I just don't really see it. I, I think a team will probably talk themselves into it in like the fifth or sixth round just because he's a gamer and yeah, he's done it on the biggest stage and everything, but it's just a different beast. That's,
0: that's, that's Patriots music difficult. right there. <laughs> just a, just Cue, a leader proven winner. Give him a chance. Cue the trumpets. Cue the Tom Brady comparisons. I For think sure. That's fair. But I mean, I, like in I'm trying to think of I had something in the back of my mind here. I guess in general, like, okay, so he's 26. Like, yeah, that's older than a lot of like some dudes in the NFL, like Mar, what four Joe like Burrow. four starters in the playoffs yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, Aaron and Tom have kind of proven if you take care of your body, like you can play until you're 36, 35, or you know, an older, like that's still a 10 year career. I mean, that's you know, two contract extensions. Like people should not be panicking, especially when you're considering a fourth, fifth round pick on the guy that has proven to be a winner
1: yeah but like there's other guys that you could take flyers on right like the patriots have shown us that you can get really high quality guys late in drafts packers have done it a lot rams have done it a lot i feel like it's a bit of a waste wasted pick with so many other quality quarterbacks coming out that are in a similar tier or similar range that you could probably be getting for even less So i don't know we'll, we'll see short Lions taking him round two <laughs> it's better than tim boyle it's better than nathan peterman you never really know uh looking at some other trade options going around the nfl right now DeAndre Hopkins is apparently going to be traded this offseason. There's a report that came out with all the turmoil going around in Arizona that DeAndre Hopkins is in the plans for the Cardinals to trade away this offseason. So, the big question is who do you like to get DeAndre Hopkins? Who do you think makes
0: sense? I I would say the one that makes the most sense is the Ravens like they need a receiving threat, but they also have shown that they just refuse to get Lamar weapons. Um the Rams seem like a pick because they just, you know, if they, if they want to give it like one more run, like why not sell more of the farm for, for veteran guys, give Cooper cup a little bit of a, a break, have two you know, standout receivers, uh, the, the Patriots, just cause I like D hop. So I'd love to see him in a Patriots uniform. Um, maybe the bears, like, Hey, we get a bunch of, you no know, you know, we get it. We trade down potentially get a ton of picks. Like let's get a good veteran presence to, to help lead these guys. Um, I mean, just in general, his contract's rough. He's a, he's on the wrong side of 30, but I think a lot of teams could use, you know, even if you find a better way to spell him in, like don't use him 90 or not 90 snaps, but like 60 snaps a game, but like find the 40 great formation or, you know, plays that you want to use him or find the big plays to get him in there. And then, you know, I, th- I think he'd be a great asset for a lot of teams, but we also saw or probably thought the same thing when t- when Tennessee got Julio and that did not work out for him. So, Uh, I don't think it's going to take a lot to
1: get him. I think you just have to be aggressive and be the first one to make a decent offer. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. With him being like on the wrong side of 30, um, there's going to be a cooler market than maybe a lot of people think whenever they think, oh, all pro DeAndre Hopkins, he should be going for a lot. He might not go for that quite high amount. What I think is interesting thing, though, here is – the market might actually materialize relatively quickly. I've been looking a lot at uh, the free agencies, uh, free agents that are going to be coming up this uh, free agency period. And there are not a lot of good wide receivers that are going to be on the market. So the number one guy right now looks like it's going to be Jacoby Myers, which no knock on Jacoby Myers. Like he's a fine receiver and he's, still up and coming he's still relatively young right but like he's not a dominant number one guy it's not like Devonte adams setting the market or something like that right the next guy after that is like Juju smith schuster and then it just like goes down the line it falls off very quickly in terms of wide receivers that you can get in the draft the other way that you can kind of improve as a team outside of trade or free agency you got quentin johnson who we just mentioned put up a stinker probably the top guy in this draft jordan addinson um, former Canoff winner had a bit of a stinker of a season for USC this year. De- no, I won't. Maybe not stinker, but definitely a down season. And then uh, Kayvon Butte, who had a very very strange season this year um, for a lot of different reasons, and only finished with like 300 yards on the season, so not a very impressive year, even though he has all the physical tools. And then Jackson Smith J- Najigba, who was hurt all year for Ohio State. So it's I think that this market could actually be pretty dang hot. I think there's a lot of teams that want to improve at wide receiver. I think the team that has the need and everything else, just to mixed together is the Baltimore Ravens that you already mentioned. I think the New York giants could go out and get them. Um, if they decide to cut Kenny Galladay, they're going to have a little bit of money to spend. And I think they're going to definitely, we want to see if Daniel Jones is the long-term answer. I think the Tennessee Titans, if they decide to kind of go a little bit more all in, try and get Brable some help, um, Rabel has shown himself a very, very worthy coach, and he deserves to have a wide receiver one type after trading away AJ Brown. Um, and I could see even like a team like the Commanders just going all in, just like going with uh, Terry McLaurin, going with Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and De- DeAndre Hopkins, just like having a crazy good wide receiver core. So I think there's a, a lot of teams that are going to be wide receiver heavy or hungry this offseason and there's just not a lot of people available so that supply and demand is just kind of off so i think deandre hopkins could go for a little bit more than a lot of people
0: scarily expect. for me what do, you, what do you think the jacoby myers market looks like now that you mentioned he's like the only relevant free agent coming in like are, are the Patriots gonna lose him because we're not willing
1: to pay more than 10 million dollars for a receiver yeah i i'm not too sure i would imagine it's gonna be something like five years 70 million or something like that just because he's on the younger side and he's been shown to be pretty good in the past What'd Kirk get? He got 72, like five years, 72, I think.
0: I feel like that might be the asking price. To your point, like he's not necessarily number one, but he'd be a hell of a number two in a decent offense.
1: You didn't have him on your list that we're going to be doing later with guess the bag, did you?
0: No, I'll. I'll, No, no Christian
1: Kirk on my side. Okay. Yeah. It's four years, 72 for Christian Kirk. So I don't feel bad looking that up now. And then Jacoby Myers. So uh, Spot track, Sport Track, whatever, whatever this website's called. They do like projected salaries for people. Um, let's look at his market value.
0: I mean, because was an undrafted free agent, so like I would assume he wants the
1: bag. I, I don't know how much of a hometown discount you're gonna get. The, so their base calculated value that they're expecting is four years, fifty-one million, and the typical salaries that they're expecting, like they have comparables, is a Rob three for forty-six and. Terry McLaurin, three for 68. So it's going to be somewhere in that like 15 to $22 million range. Yippee. Yeah, so best of luck to you guys. All right, so another trade that people have been just talking a lot about this week with the Chicago Bears getting the first overall pick in the NFL draft, thanks to Lovie Smith, their former coach, is the potential trade of Justin Fields, which feels pretty backwards, right? Because Justin Fields just had a pretty solid season, especially compared to a lot of his peers in his draft class. Very interesting that this has been a rumor. People are talking about how contract values work, talking about positional value, and basically, is Justin Fields the guy? What would you do if you're Chicago Bears, and like what kind of godfather offer would you need for Justin Fields in order to trade him away?
0: Well, this, this definitely depends on how good they feel about Stroud or Young. Uh, I, I was surprised. And again, I'm not like some crazy great college football analyst, but I, I felt like it was obvious that Stroud was the guy. Just size, arm strength, all that. Really showed you know, what he's got in the, in the playoffs and et cetera. But then everything I've seen since then has been like, why the Bears need to get Bryce Young. And it's like, has no one watched Tua like die this last season? Like, Why are people chomping at the bit to get someone that's potentially fragile behind an absolutely, you know, dog water offensive line. It just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Uh, but if they feel great about one of those two guys, uh, then, you know, maybe it doesn't take too much to get fields, you know, maybe like a first and a second or or something along those lines. Like, you know, and it depends too, like who's trading for it, right? Are, are the Colts trading to get fields? Like all of a sudden it becomes, you know, their fourth, like that would be, a, excuse me, a pretty solid pick, like, and if you're feeling great about the these rookies then you know getting getting a fourth and getting the distraction off of your roster like that's huge but at the same time like Fields has kind of proven you know he, he took major steps like if it was first half of the season fields it'd be like yeah no brainer let's let's try to trade him but it, you know his market would be nothing versus that second half of the season fields you know he started to get a little bit more comfortable making some throws he wasn't missing the gimmies he was you know making crazy plays with his legs which we've seen in the NFL is it's just huge, right? If your quarterback can make plays, extend plays uh, with his legs, like you're just in a, in a different tier. Like the, the ceiling of your offense is just so much higher. So I, I just don't know why they're chomping at the bit to get rid of him. He's a big athletic freak. Uh, and he's got time to, to keep developing. I mean, he's only two years into his rookie deal.
1: Yeah. I'm a pretty big detractor of this whole trade idea. I think Justin Fields deserves more time in Chicago. I feel like he deserves a situation where he has a chance to develop. I don't think that this was the Chicago Bears' best foot forward. I don't think really anybody does. And looking at the moves that were supposed to help Justin Fields, none of them have worked out so far, right? The Their highest pick to help them at receiver was Bayless Jones Jr. last year. He had 150 snaps all year long. Only had 15 targets on the season, had 100 yards on the season. That's like a typical Tyreek Hill game in one whole season. So Bayless Jones, second-round pick, not panning out. And then they traded what ended up being the equivalent of a first-round pick for Chase Claypool, and Claypool hasn't done anything yet, although I'm still a bit of a believer in that one. I think the Bears owe it to themselves. I think the Bears owe it to Justin Fields to put a truly good team around him. They have $100 million in cap space this offseason you go out and you trade for a deandre hopkins you go out and make a splashy trade for one of these other young receivers potentially and i i think there's some value that they could find right like calvin ridley just a few months ago went for basically nothing to go over to the jacksonville jaguars so i think there's guys out there that could potentially be available i think i think that the bears owe it just for another season just to get that full eval out and there's a lot of people out there saying right now, which I, I don't fully agree with, but a lot of people are saying that they're not there isn't like a surefire like Trevor Lawrence, um, Andrew Luck level prospect at quarterback this uh, year, which I don't really agree with. If that's the case, and you're the Uh, Chicago Bears and you're not truly sold on one of these guys you have to go with fields because he is young enough he has enough potential that you can still feel like hey this guy's basically a rookie and we're still just like seeing what we have with him. I think you gotta go for a couple more years because uh, it's that one family guy meme all over again like oh you want the mystery box Uh, inside the mystery box could be another mystery box it could be another boat like I think you owe it for uh, yourself just to see what Justin Fields could be
0: I'd say the only real you know like positive for them trading fields is since they do have two years of of film on him or you know they've they've had him in the building like if they're just like we want this guy out of there you know they've just been great about not leaking that no one likes him or something like that then it makes sense to trade him but otherwise
1: like nothing bad has come out about fields so i, I just don't know why it's like let's rush to get rid of him yeah can you imagine the bears fan base though if they trade away justin fields he goes elsewhere like the commanders or the ravens and just balls out. And then they draft Bryce Young. He gets hurt that first year. We've seen a lot of evidence this year. of The more frail quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Tua, they can get hurt. You know how much that Bears franchise that's been starred for a quarterback for decades? Their best one's been like Jay Cutler. How much they would be rioting if Justin Fields just they, goes They've crazy. been starred
0: for a quarterback since inception. Like, they're the only franchise without a 4,000-yard passer. It's insane. I mean, like, at just absurd levels of, of just ineptitude at one position.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know what they think they're doing. They, they they have some smart people in the front office, and they have some moves that they can make. I mentioned the the cap that they have, but God, like they gotta be careful with this because it could turn into a PR nightmare really quickly unless they just get an absolute haul for Justin Fields. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to the coaching carousel. A couple of moves this week. Uh, one sad, in my opinion, and then one that's been long overdue. Uh, Lovey Smith got canned uh, in Houston. Honestly, I wouldn't have been mad about another Lovey Smith season. He's a bit out of his element. And then the other move was Cliff Kingsbury, uh, coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He got cut as well this past week. So, what do you think of these two moves? Do you think they were smart?
0: They made sense. Uh, I would assume Lovey knew going into the season he was the one-year placeholder. Uh, you know, he was he was not put in a, into a position to succeed. So, if this like caught him by surprise, uh, then I don't know what's going on in Houston, right? You can't, you know, at the same time, if they're like, Hey, you're getting a real chance to prove yourself. then it's like, okay, well, what's the management doing there? Cause they definitely didn't give him any like true weapons to figure it out. Like it, I, I think this is what he expected the whole time. I hope so anyway. Uh, and, and I think he'll easily land a DC job somewhere, you know, some kind of defensive, uh, positional coaching cause you can't deny he's an incredible defensive coordinator, defensive mind of the NFL, you know, kind of really, um, and a, and a time where cover two is kind of like the king to stop some of these explosive offenses, like to have a guy like Love in your team that, you know, lives and breathes that Tampa too and, and just knows how to teach it and how to coach up those DBs, like he'll get a job no problem. Cliff's in a similar boat where, well, the nice thing for Cliff is like he doesn't have to work for five years, right? Like he's just guaranteed $80 million no matter what happens in his life. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, I, I think he just picks the perfect offensive coordinator spot in the NFL. Um, and if he doesn't get this year, then, you know, no harm, no foul. He can wait again until next year, like
1: no rush on his
0: side. So I think he just is in a very fortunate position. He just gets to pick the perfect job for him going forward.
1: Yeah. Beyond the obvious lessons of, you know, like uh, hiring a minor- minority coach and not actually giving him a chance, like, you know, there's all those Rooney rule things. I think like the the main lesson that we learned from both of these hirings is don't hire specialists, for a role that they're not qualified for like realistically both of these guys are coordinators right at this point in their careers Lovey smith was a very very good coach for many years but he's out of his depth as a head coach at this point point. and cliff I, he was out of his depth as soon as he got to the nfl he had never coached in the nfl on in like a high level rank he goes to texas tech inherits that mike leach offense And everyone just starts giving him credit for it. And even with Patrick Mahomes, even with a lot of other great prospects that he had there, his last season, he was like seven and six at Texas Tech. So I I think both these guys just like weren't ready for these types of roles. And I think that anything that would be below that, whether that's an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, um, a QB assistant coach, something like that, I think those are way more apt for both of these guys. I just really feel for Lovey Smith, because I really felt like he was set up to fail and I think he got the guys playing hard, but I think a lot of guys in Houston this year, I'm thinking like Malik Collins. I'm thinking like Jerry Hughes. They were just auditioning to be signed for other teams next year. Cause the rest of the roster around them was like an FCS roster in a lot of ways. So um, I feel for him. I, I don't think that this was a, good like PR thing for him by any means. But if anything, he got that head coach salary for a year. So that's always really cool. But I think their GM, Nick Casario, should definitely be under fire a little bit more than he currently is.
0: Yeah. Well and Lovey, I think he had it, he signed a two or three year deal at least, right? So like he gets that that head coach salary for a couple of years, which is great. Cause it, you know, no matter his shortcomings, I, I think everyone can agree that Lovey is a lovable guy. Like he's he's a good person. Like you said he got the he got the dudes fired up, got them playing hard. It was just, you know, abundantly obvious that there was a talent deficit in, in Houston. And, and those guys were just additioning of like, hey, it's not my fault. Like, sign me somewhere else, please.
1: Yeah. First team all beard. lovey Smith. Great, great beard. Absolutely. Salt and pepper. Love it. Do you do you want to get into this all pro list? like Are you still angry about it or like you OK with talking about I'm not it? Not, I'm not angry about it. It's just I mean, it's it's
0: fine. I don't know. I, I just think that Marcus Jones got snubbed for Turpin. But other than that, it, it seemed reasonable.
1: Yeah, so for anyone who missed it, the players for the first time ever, they put out an all pro list similar to how the AP does it. PFF also puts out their own all pro list, but typically there's the AP one. And then there's like a couple other publications that bring out theirs. Those are like usually the more recognized ones. But the players kind of wanted to take some power back and they're like, hey, we're going to do our own all pro list similar to like the NFL top 100 that we look at before the season. And I was expecting a lot of stinkers, but actually, I think the list is actually pretty solid. Um, the biggest omissions that I saw, no Micah Parsons at edge rusher we have nick bosa which well deserved at this point and miles garrett who missed a little bit of time um i don't a lot of people were really hyping him up but i i didn't fully see the true miles garrett this year i think parsons should have been there um aaron donald made it as well which he had a bit of a down season he also missed some time that was a bit of a surprise for me whenever there's other guys that were probably a little bit more deserving um and then yeah at cornerback which is always just a tough tough position to look at and analyze uh, we saw Pat Sertain make it uh, which honestly I would have liked I don't know like a sauce Gardner or a Marlon Humphrey or something like that over him but you know, I can't say
0: Certain didn't deserve it though like that's a huge I mean he's only a second or third year guy right like that that shows that he's you know Denver's got something special there
1: yeah but they they knocked it out of the park though everywhere else like gave Jacobs a very very deserving nod um, offensive line perfect chef's kiss we saw Trent Williams, Joel Betonio, Jason Kelsey, Zach Martin, Lane Johnson. Like that's a tough, tough positional group to evaluate, and the players nail it. Like that is like every single person that everybody's talking about in terms of offensive line play this year. So, um, sorry about your specialists. Sorry, Cordell Patterson was on there. Sorry, Covante Turpin was on there. I think everything else did a very solid job. On good shout out to the players. They know ball. They they know ball. <laughs> yeah, they pass the allegations. All right. So you ready to look at some of these playoff games? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So we're just gonna go game by game. We're gonna evaluate each game, talk about like our key positional matchup that we're excited to watch and what we think is gonna end up determining these matchups. We'll pick a winner because you have to. You know, it's the playoff time, everyone's gotta have a bracket. And we'll also do guess aligns. So the, the winner is kind of like who we think is gonna win, and the guest the aligns like what we think Vegas thinks is the favorite for this game. So first up on Saturday. We have 49ers versus Seahawks. So I think the main part that I'm excited for this game, and I've been talking about it all season long, is how the Seahawks cornerbacks match up with the pass catchers of the 49ers. We have two guys, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, not the Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati for corner in Seattle. And then on the 49 ers side, we have Debo Samuel, very underrated storyline, him coming back. He's going to be huge for this game. George Kittle, who secretly had a really, really good second half of the season. Brandon Ayuk, who has been an incredible run blocker this year, specifically for CMC, but has also turned it on as a receiver. All those guys have a very, very good chance to go crazy unless the rookie corners for the Seahawks are going to have a really strong game. I think they have potential to hold up, even though they're going against these all pro type players, just because both of them are big bodied guys. They're kind of in that Richard Sherman mold in a lot of ways. So that is going to be an excellent matchup. And that's, I think, the only thing that can kind of slow down this 49ers team.
0: Yeah, you hit a lot of the major points as far as like the key matchups. To me, it's going to come down to can the Seahawks offensive line do anything to slow down that pass rush from the Niners? Uh, they, they didn't this season, but you know, you, you, when you have familiarity, uh, having, having an opponent that third time, you know, it's really tough to beat anyone once, if not twice, but three times in the NFL, that's, that's pretty damn tough to do. Um, but if, you know, if they can't contain Bosa and, and that D line, like it, it's just gonna be a long day for Geno and they're having a tough time, you know, with the Rams, you know, without Aaron Donald this past week, like the, the Seahawks, I, I would say kind of crawled into the playoffs. They didn't feel like they were kicking down doors. Like the Lions in this position, I would be way more excited about because I'd be one of the hottest teams. The Seahawks yeah. are like, oh, wow, they 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 were able to hang on. Awesome. Like, see
1: you, though. I mean, they're, they're just not going to I don't think they're going to make a splash. Yeah, they're a bit of the lame duck with this. And they've had a lot more injuries, it feels like, too, um, you know, with running backs, with wide receivers. Tyler Log has got the hurt hand and everything. So I think the Seahawks are also limping into this a little bit. Um, in terms of the line, I ended up having this as, uh, the 49ers being an eight point favorite. And I think the 49ers are going to win this game pretty handedly.
0: Yeah, and I did, I did nine or seven and a half. It, it felt like it should be around a touchdown. I, and I now realize I, I kind of just like gypped you if it, if it's lower at all. So I, I hope that's not the case where it's like seven and I'm just like barely scraping under you.
1: Yeah, you're good. What, what do you think of the people who are saying Brock Purdy offense rookie of the year?
0: He didn't have a large enough sample
1: size. That's, that's not fair. The guys that played the whole season. I think that's fair as well. I, I, there's a lot of guys who have a better body of work at this point. Garrett Wilson is the favorite right now. And I think he's very deserving. I think like on an efficiency basis. though, it's still gotta be Olave, which was both of, I, I would pick Olave reasons.
0: over Wilson. He, he didn't have the huge splashy games there in the middle of the season, but just consistently pr- produce at a pro level this year.
1: Exactly. Wilson Especially with, with
0: I guess you can't players. say worst quarterback play. They both had abysmal
1: quarterback play. Yeah, just choppy seasons for both of them. Um, I'm actually right on this one, though, because it's nine and a half favorites for the 49ers. Dang. Okay. So. Honestly, that does feel a little bit low, though. Just like looking at this more and more, like, yes, Geno's had a really good season. He's had arguably the best season um, on the NFC side. But God, like. 49ers are just so dominant. Like we were talking about that all pro list. There's like four or five guys that were on that all pro list. First team, not, not first or second. It, team. it really it feels like a
0: crash team. course between 49ers and Eagles. Yeah. And, the, and that all pro list kind of backs that up too.
1: Yeah. And it's weird because like going into this 49ers season, there are a lot of question marks on if guys could stay healthy and they've really passed the allegations. So it's been impressive. Um, plus you got Shanahan just doing Shanahan things. So I think that that game's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. Next game on Saturday, we have Chargers versus Jaguars. Jaguars get a home game in this one. Uh, I'm really, really excited to watch what Etienne does in this game. Etienne had a pretty solid season at running back. He actually passed 1,000 yards, which was pretty cool. Just an arbitrary mark, but it's still pretty awesome to watch. Um, But going against this Chargers linebacker core, right, Like they have guys that are big names on that defensive line, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, um, Kyle Van Noy, which, you know, former Patriot, former line. We both love that guy. I, I it's just going to be interesting to see how they're able to contain him because it feels like this season when the Jaguars are playing well, it's because Etienne's getting out and making 60 yard runs or making swing passes and actually catching them rather than dropping them. I, I think that's going to be very, very key for this uh, Jaguars team. If they want to pull off an upset here, what I'm presuming is going to be an upset. Um, and I think Etienne's just going to end up being the key for that because he's just so, so dynamic.
0: And then for me, um, you know, less football oriented, but just it's quarterbacks versus expectations, right? You've, you've got these two, Highly touted, you know, top of their draft class type picks. You know, everyone's talking is is Herbert the next big thing, is Burrow, is yeah, you know, yada yada yada. But I mean, you get Herbert versus Lawrence both making their their playoff debut. You know, how do they handle that? Do, does one of them come out and is dominant, you know, from the get-go? Uh is one a little bit shaky and, and it kind of shows and that ends up costing them. Uh, you know, they, they both have extensive college. Um, you know, big, like big college game experience, but it's just not the same as, as the NFL playoffs. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, especially because Herbert, Herbert's stretch at the end of the season, wasn't really that sensational. And Lawrence kind of caught fire that back half of the season, which is what really put the Jaguars into the playoffs. So let's just see if if broke or not bro. Sorry. If uh, Lawrence can keep that momentum going, I think it'll be pretty exciting to see.
1: Yeah, I think it is kind of underrated how bad trevor lawrence was in the first half of the season i'm just looking at like pff ranks which i know you don't love but like even just looking at more traditional stats like yards per game touchdown versus interceptions lawrence was playing very poorly to begin the season and then completely flipped the script like they lost to the lions by a ton uh they lost to the texans i think they had a loss to the colts in there as well and then they just flipped a switch. And Trevor Lawrence has been like a top five quarterback since all of that went down. So uh, I think this will be an excellent game. Two teams that are kind of finding their way a little bit, even though uh, the Chargers had like all those random injuries. Brandon Staley was playing all of his starters, his first stringers for some reason. Like Mike Williams got hurt, which was really strange. I think this is going to be an excellent playoff game. It's going to feel very collegey because a lot of the younger guys, I'm very, very excited for this one. And I think it's going to be relatively close. I did Chargers minus five in this game.
0: Yeah, I went Chargers minus two. You brought up the injuries. It's a home game for the Jags, uh, you know, going coast to coast for the Chargers. So I think it's going to be closer, but I still think the Chargers will be favored.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, Luckily, this game's not in California because they're getting dumped in rain right now. But you are dead on. It is Chargers minus two. So this will be a good one. I'm excited for this one. Next up, this one's just tough. A lot lot of emotions going into this one. Buffalo Bills versus Miami Dolphins announced today that they are not expecting it to be Tua this week for the Miami Dolphins. It's going to instead be another Skylar Thompson game. Really excited for him going into the season, and he's kind of proven to just not be it. doesn't look like it's going to be Teddy either. Uh, it's just tough whenever you're down to your third-string quarterback. There's just not a lot you can do, and not everybody can beat Brock Purdy, right? Uh, the the main thing I'm going to be looking at that I think could keep Miami in this game is that Miami defensive line, and you, you can even extend it out to their front seven versus Josh Allen. I, people keep everyone always points out to me like i'm the biggest josh allen detractor they've ever met i think that he can be contained and it's just going to take a little bit of luck on the Dolphins side right um they have talented guys in that front seven jalen phillips they just drafted um recently at ucla melvin ingram is a really great death piece christian wilkins and Raquan davis like they have guys that can be there and Bradley Chubb coming off of the edge um, to kind of disrupt what Josh Allen likes to do, which is bullshit around until something opens up. It's going to be tough though, if they're going to be out on that field for a majority of the game, 45 minutes out of 60, probably they're going to get tired. So it, it but the, I think that's their best chances that this front seven can just go absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah. I just don't see a real shot here. The dolphins a lot like the Seahawks, right? Like you're not jacked that they made the playoffs. You're like, Oh cool. Their first half of the season was enough to, to keep them in. Um, you know, they won when it mattered last week, but not exactly in convincing fashion. Um, I, I think the bills D I think Orchard Park's just going to be way too much for them. I went bills minus 12 and a half. Like, I just don't see how you can say, Oh yeah, the, the dolphins are going to be in this one and until the end. It's like, like you said, Skylar just has not proven anything this year. And God knows what happens if they have to go to you know quarterback number four at this point. Like, what well, does does uh, Mike McDaniel just get out there and, and hand the ball off himself? Like, I have no idea where they're at if Kyler goes down.
1: McDaniel would be the coolest quarterback of all time. He's going to have to get mad creative in this game. He's going to have to be a mad scientist, just cooking up crazy plays. And another underrated piece too is Raheem Mostert, which he ran for 800 yards this year, kind of quietly he's most likely going to be out for this game too. So they're going to be relying a ton on Jeff Wilson Jr., which he hasn't really been able to hold up with a large workload. So very similarly, I did Bills minus 10 in this game. Crazy to have a double-digit line in this first round, but this is very much so feeling like last year's Bills opening round where they destroyed your Patriots by like 30 points. So the the line in this one is Bills minus 13, so you win that one. Vikings at Giants next game here. This one's going to be probably the most interesting out of all these in terms of how Vegas goes, just because we've seen how much they are detractors with the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants, Vikings, they played this season. Vikings won on a last second bullshit fo- uh, field goal. is like a 61 yard or a 63 yard or something crazy in overtime. These are going to be two very, very close teams and they kind of play relatively similarly, right? Like, it's Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley just running around and then Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins just making things happen. So the the number one matchup that I'm going to be looking at is these Vikings linebackers versus containing Danny Dimes. The, the Giants all year long have been best whenever Daniel Jones has been able to get out and run. He had a lot of rushing yards. I, I don't have the stat right in front of me, but it was like a surprising about like 700 or something like that, which... Um, we, we know Daniel Jones has wheels, right? But like just his ability to be effective on the ground as well. Uh, these Minnesota Vikings linebackers are going to have to be disciplined. They're going to, have to stay at home, make sure that they contain Daniel Jones inside the pocket, and don't let him do any of those bullshit runs that are really cute, huge for him. I mean, looking for Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Darius Smith, all those guys to have big, big games, and I think that could end up being the difference maker here.
0: Yeah, for me, that the difference is, you know, we we've seen the best of daniel jones this year and, and you know now that's the playoffs does he keep that going or does he revert back to you know turn it over danny does he fumble the ball four times you know does he make horrible interceptions i don't i don't think he will you know i think he's really had such a great year i'm hoping he builds off of it but you know the, the playoffs are just such a different beast and it's like if you trust you know between danny dimes and kirk cousins like i would think i tr- trust kirk cousins more i what, what time's this game played do you know
1: uh, I think it's like a primetime game. I think it's Ooh. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so it's gonna be. Prime that's, time that's, if it's primetime,
0: that's tough. That that's the you know Achilles heel of Kirk Cousins. But um, no, I think the Giants win, but I think the Vikings have to be favored for it being a home game. I, I just gave that perfect home game three points, uh, but I, I I could see the Giants coming away with this one.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a Sunday afternoon game, but that's oh never mind. Viking,
0: Vikings by ten.
1: Vikings by a billion yeah I feel contradictory in this one too but I think that just kind of speaks to how close this game's going to be um I think the MVP's got to be Saquon Barkley like if the Giants want to have a chance of winning this game I think it's got to be Saquon Barkley and I think he's going to be huge in this one I picked the Giants to win this one but I think Vegas is going to choose the Vikings I did Vikings minus two here and uh you actually nailed it it is Vikings minus three so you are definitely going to win guess lines this week (laughs) Next up, we have Bengals versus Ravens. Another sad sack game. Like none, none of these games until uh, a couple of these are they just like at full strength teams? Uh, the uh, the Ravens, it was announced today, is most likely going to be without Lamar Jackson once again. He's about ready to miss his sixth straight game with that PCL UCL injury. I don't even know. I don't even know what to think about this at this point because it went from Lamar being out maybe a week to him. Maybe never playing in a Baltimore Ravens jersey ever again, which is crazy. I, I, I'm picking the Ravens in this one just because I could see some bullshit going down in this one, and my homerism won't let me escape. Um, but I think it's gonna Vegas is gonna have Bengals being a heavy favorite, and I went Bengals minus six.
0: Yeah, buddy, you're, you're high on this one. Uh, I I don't believe in Huntley. The, the Ravens with Huntley, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think they scored more than sixteen points, right? Yeah. Like the Bengals can score 16 points sleeping no matter who their opponent is. Uh, I just, I just don't see, you know, a, a, an instance where um, the, the Bengals don't just, just walk away with this one. They, they hit their stride at the right time I and mean, they started slow, but man, they were making a hell of a push for that too. Even potentially one seed uh, in the, in the back half of the season. I love the way they're playing. Their line really finally started to gel together. You know, they started off letting up just a shitload of sacks. And everyone's like, didn't they buy like three offensive linemen? You know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, love the Bengals. They're they're one of my teams that uh, I think between you and I, like I think I picked Bengals to to maybe even repeat, go back to the, the Super Bowl just out of like, you know, pure hope. Cause I, you know, I don't really like any other teams in the AFC, but I went Bengals minus a, and I think it just comes down to Huntley versus Joe Burrow. This is the playoffs. We've talked about how many just kind of like ho-hum matchups there are. Well, this one's got the high caliber quarterback versus a second stringer. And in the NFL, the high caliber QB just kind of tends to win.
1: Yeah, and I I think that might be my asterisk that I put on this, right? Is If it's Huntley, I think they have a chance. They put 17 points on the NFL Falcons, so a little bit better than we thought. If it's Anthony Brown, though, they have no chance. Like, Anthony Brown is dog water. He's one of the worst quarterbacks we've seen in the league in a while. Um, Huntley at least gives them a little bit of a chance, and that defense has been killer lately. Like, yeah, the Bengals beat them last week, but, like, Joe Burrow didn't have that great of a game. He had 200 yards on 42 attempts. Like, not that incredible. Um, I think – the ravens defense gives them a chance guys like marlon humphrey uh roquan uh smith who just got a huge extension i don't know if you saw that one that went down today i think that defense has been stellar lately really kind of turned their season around just keeping them in games and i think that could be the difference maker if the ravens want to have a chance with this game just to be able to contain joe burrow a little
0: bit i mean two two points here one the uh the Buccaneers were able to score 17 points in one half. Right. And, and no one's saying that the uh, Buccaneers offense is world beaters. So I, I feel like that proved my point when you say, well, they've got 17 on the Falcons. Uh, and then second, okay. <laughs> how awesome was that? How awesome was that uh trade though for Roquan? I, that was one of those ones where I was like, I wish the Patriots would go out this guy and get this guy. Like, I mean, he's just had an incredible season and, and I think it was obvious that the talent was there. It was just to your point, people weren't really valuing that kind of inside out backer. Like he just wasn't, you know, a, an edge presence. So no one saw it as like a gotta go get kind of guy. And and he's just an incredible backer.
1: Yeah. And people have been talking to uh, you. We talk about the PFF guys all the time. While I do agree, there's a lot of inside linebackers that aren't worth it. Um, for example, Bobby Wagner, like, Definitely didn't have the history on his side. He's definitely getting older. Guy was really relying on his speed and just being rangy. Roquan Smith is one of those guys that's just like kind of transcendent, right? Like it's like it's like a Clay Matthews type of guy, um, Devin White, Levante David. Like those guys can be impactful even into their beginning thirties. You don't you definitely don't want to give like a five year, eighty million dollar deal to an aging dude, but that that's that's the case for every position. Um, Roquan Smith is like the closest we have to like a Fred Warner clone in the NFL, and a guy like that is just such a big difference maker. And I love what Roquan Smith is doing, and he earned every penny. Of that extension. Absolutely. I, I, think it, I think it was a fantastic decision. Um, all that being said, uh, Bengals are an eight and a half point favorite. So you win that Buddy, one. I am cash money on these playoffs. Dude, I, I need to get better at this. I, I need to do some research. I need to get back in the lab and figure out how to win this damn game. Bucks-Cowboys is on Monday night. I love that we have a Monday night playoff game. I'm super excited for three straight days of football. And I have nothing on the schedule this week. So I'm going to be watching every second. I love this game. I think that this is a like NFC title game worthy type of game. Uh, I think it's really, really close. And after like the other types of games that we had earlier in the segment where a lot of guys are injured, these are two teams that are going to be firing on all cinder- cylinders going into this one. Um, I'm really excited to see CeeDee Lamb go against this Bucks secondary. I think that the Bucks secondary has been a little up and down this year. Um, they have big names they have the pedigree it's really just a matter of being consistent and being healthy for just being real Antoine Winfield Jr. Carlton Davis uh, Sean Murphy Bunting like those are all guys that have playoff experience Super Bowl experience and they need the they need those guys to step up if they want to have a chance in this game um CeeDee Lamb though on the other end this could truly be like his coming out party in a lot of ways like he kind of quietly put up 1300 yards Eight touchdowns, kind of people early on were a little weary about him because he started slow, but he's been balling out. And I think if he puts up all big numbers on a national stage this upcoming week, like we're gonna be talking about him with like the AJ Browns and everything, like the guys who are like next up for top receiver in the NFL. And the Cowboys really need this win, right? Like Losing again in the first round and a tough close game would just be deflating for a lot of the um, momentum that they've had for this franchise. So I think this game's going to be excellent, um, but I'm really, really looking at these wide receivers for the Cowboys going against the secondary of the Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, This one might be the most exciting game on the slate purely because it's like, this is how we started the season, right? Sunday night football, Bucs, Cowboys. And then this is how we get to end the season. Uh, you know, Monday Night Football, but and I guess not in the season, but like how how much per more perfect of like a measuring stick could you have of like where did we start and where did we end? Right, like the Bucks defense dominated them last time, and, and the offense looked kind of iffy. And you're like, oh, the Bucs will figure it out. It's like, well, the Bucks offense never figured it out. The Cowboys offense and defense clearly got better, but on the backside, this Bucks defense, to your point, the DBs were up and down, and it's like, yeah, it was all health related. And it's like they've got all of their guys back, so they're at least the most like that team that started the season, as far as health is concerned, uh, as, as they could possibly be. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to like the bucks just can't run the ball. So can they stop Micah Parsons from teeing off on Tom Brady, right? Like they're going to have to throw the ball 50 plus times to, to move it. Uh, no, no matter how you cut it, you know, short passes, long passes, everything uh, you, you get, you get playoff Tom, which is always awesome to have. Um, but that doesn't mean the offensive line plays to that, to that level. Right. So they they got to protect Tom. They got to keep him up right if they want to win this game.
1: Yeah. It's kind of hard too. Cause like Dak Prescott's kind of been going into this back half of the season and a bit of a whimper in a lot of ways, right? Like we see Tom Brady right now and he's been kind of balling out and Dak Prescott over the last few weeks just hasn't been his normal self. I saw some people kind of like trying to cope with it a little bit and they're like, ah, the Cowboys are just playing those Jedi mind tricks. And they're just trying to show us things that they're not going to do in the playoffs. But like, Last couple of weeks, Dak Prescott, two touchdowns, two interceptions against Tennessee, against Washington, one touchdown, one interception, and only 128 yards on 37 attempts. That's an average of three and a half passing yards per attempt. That's brutal. That's really bad. That's that's Anthony Brown level. So I, I think that... That's going to be kind of the difference maker here is just like Brady versus Prescott. And at the end of the day, I'm going to trust Brady. So I have the Bucks in this game, although I think that Vegas is going to have the Cowboys be f- being favored and I have Cowboys minus three for this game.
0: Yeah, I, I, you're in the same place. I, I think the Cowboys just based off of fandom, based off of kind of how their season ended. Uh, it'll be Cowboys three. I just, I think the bucks have the right amount of momentum. I you mean know, I've talked about it. They, they looked like they kind of caught a stride a bit. Mike Evans coming into his zone. Chris Godwin playing really, really well. Um, and, and again, it's playoff Tom. So you're just hoping that that kind of takes over. I, I think the big thing will be again, you know, is can they keep Tom, uh, off the turf and is Dag Prescott throwing pick sixes or you know is he making just good completions you know, you got to consider like if he has just a bad playoff game cowboys nation might be fed up with that right like they, they've had so many teams that just feel like heads and tails above the competition and they just kind of whimper in the playoffs right they they lose close games they lose you know big they lose bad like they just haven't looked great in the playoffs he you know it's insane to think they would get rid of mccarthy he's had back-to-back like 12 and 13 win seasons but um you know, it's at some point, Jerry Jones does not tolerate not going to the Super Bowl, which he hasn't for a long time, and he, you know he's pretty quick to to get rid of people. So, you know, at what point is it the coaching? Is it you know Zeke? Is it Dak? Like it, someone's head's got to roll if they if they don't win a couple playoff games.
1: Yeah, no, I do agree. And like Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, very very. Highly respected even at a young age. He's already looking elsewhere and he's been getting interviewed for other jobs or at least lined up for interviews for head coaching positions. Uh, I agree with your McCarthy take. I think if it's going to fall on anyone immediately, I think it's going to fall on McCarthy. And then if we have another bad DAC season or a bad playoff exit next year, I think that's when DAC would get moved on from. But if you're Dan Quinn, are you seeing ghosts right now? Like you're you were the Atlanta Falcons Atlanta Falcons head coach. Whenever the Falcons blew that twenty eight three lead against Tom Brady, are you seeing ghosts and just be like, damn it, like again, Tom Brady's still in the playoffs in twenty twenty three. Like what are we doing here? So um, he's a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys now. So pretty crazy stuff.
0: And yeah, no, I don't think Dan is, but you, you can tell. That, that loss has not left Matt Ryan. That loss has not left Shanahan. Uh, I think Dan Quinn's had a pretty good bounce back as far as like, he's been a pretty, pretty uh, solid defensive coordinator. People have already like washed that stink off of him and have talked about him becoming a head coach again, which you and I talked about. I was like, why in the world would anyone hire Dan Quinn? Like he's kind of in that lovey territory. Like, dude, you're so good at defense. Like you don't have to be a head coach. It's okay to be an awesome defensive
1: coordinator. What I think is maybe a little bit better for Dan Quinn is just, the level of leadership that he's displayed. Uh, I've been reading a lot from reporters who are talking about how players would literally like murder for Dan Quinn. Like that is how much of a father lover kind of figure he is for a lot of players. And people just freaking love dan quinn so he's been in talks for potentially getting the denver broncos job or even like the the chargers job if it opens up or like the saints job i've seen his name float at like the very very top so that maybe that's just good agent work uh but it's been impressive to see how his career has progressed beyond just the 28-3 memes that we see all the time um just in terms of how this game is being picked by vegas Cowboys are two and a half point favorites, but since we both had Cowboys minus three, it's a tie. So if you're keeping score at home, that means Dutton won four. I got one and one tie. So good job by you.
0: Yep, absolutely. That really just like makes up for the, the couple of weeks that you won by one. Right. That let me just erase those little
1: blemishes and, and just continue the domination. You let me feel good a couple of times, but that's all you let me have getting us uh, steeled away from me, like taking candy from a baby. All right, we're going to go over to our three D segment next. A lot of interesting interesting things going down in the NBA right now. We're kind of in the dog days of the NBA season, but a lot of action happening. One of the cool things, I, I, it's cool depending on your perspective, that I've seen the season. I've just felt very vindicated about how good this Phoenix Suns team is. I, there's pieces that I like, like Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, has surprised me a lot. But then like, I see Devin Booker. I see DeAndre Ayton, maybe not at the caliber a lot of people expect or have their just like really, really high level thinking about them. And then, like, CP3 has not looked as good this year either without them having winning basketball. His. 9 points, 5 assists just like don't look as impressive. And the and the Phoenix Suns have really truly fallen off in the NBA standings this year. Uh they were one of the top teams for a while, but now they're sitting at 7th in the NBA, 2 and 8 over their last 10. I think their losing streak got up to like 9 games at one point, but like they're right down there with like the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz right now in the standings. So, um Seasons kind of falling apart a little bit for him, and I think at this point you gotta start looking at maybe another eight and trade. That was kind of in the rumors for a while because he doesn't get along well with their coaching staff, or like maybe even a Devin Booker trade. Which Devin Booker, if you want to come to Orlando Magic would be all ears because your shooting would be fantastic in their system. So I think they have some moves to make, whether it's Jay Crowder, um, whether that's Cameron Payne. I've heard things about their GM, James Jones, um, LeBron's old buddy. Apparently he is just an incredibly stubborn GM and wants very, very high prices for his players, like multiple first round picks for guys that aren't worth it. Um, So maybe they don't end up making a move, but this is a team that desperately needs to make a move at the deadline. Um, and now that we're past the December 15th deadline where last season's players last season, free agents can start to get traded. Now things can kind of start getting creative in the NBA. I think the Suns will be one of the first things we see make a move to try and get yeah,
0: better. I mean, Devin Booker has to be untouchable, right? I, why in the world would you ship him? He, he's the guy you signed to a super max and you keep as the, the face of your franchise and the face of two K for, for, you know, years to come um, face 2K, eight, eight and yeah. maybe yeah, I would put in the same boat, but it, obviously if you don't get along, uh, then there's nothing you can do. CP3 can ship and I mean anyone else is, is definitely tradable. You gotta find the right combination. But you know, the whole thing with the NBA is keep young studs. Like so I don't know why they'd be excited to go trade young studs.
1: Yeah, change in ownership maybe. There's like, hey, let's move on. I, I think it's far fetched as well, but we've seen crazier things in the NBA, and especially during this period where the things are just opening up with last year's free agents being able to be eligible for trade and before like we really hit peak season like this is where a guy can go for like five first round picks and no one really bats an eye because things just get crazy so i, I could see it happening that's all i'm saying
0: yeah the, the most important thing you know you said this is exciting for just you but just exciting for the entirety of the nba is steph coming back played last night against the suns i believe if you want to talk about the suns losing <laughs> yeah. um it, it, basketball is just better when steph is playing um it, it's a better product i I don't. I'm sure there's people out there that are Steph haters, but I just don't know how you can hate the guy. I mean, he's just an absolute killer. Um, yeah, I, I, there's not much more you can say other than just like basketball is more fun if Stephen Curry is playing and he is back on the court.
1: Yeah, he came back way faster than I was expecting. Maybe he's been out longer than I realized, but uh, fully agree. Uh, this this Warriors team desperately needs him, even with guys like. Patrick Baldwin Jr. kind of stepping up a little bit, shooting really well. They just need Steph Curry. So I, I I fully agree with this one. I'm very, very happy he's back. My last part here is just the NBA trade machine that's about ready to be going down. Um, I think we're going to have a very, very busy season. Um, the middle class is huge, and there's a lot of guys that are just really, really strong players, whether you're talking... Miles Turner and Indy or Bogdan Bogdanovich or Bojan Bogdanovich even for that, um, that are going to be on the market that probably otherwise wouldn't be on the market if it wasn't just a lot of teams that are just right up there in contention. And, And just looking at the standings, like it's pretty flat, right? Like we have the 29 and 12 Celtics and then the middle class of the Eastern conference, Atlanta Hawks only nine games out like not even that far out so I think there's gonna be a lot of teams talking themselves into being a contender and I think this trade machine is just gonna go burr and we're gonna have a lot of really really fun trades And I'm just excited to see all the action go down
0: dude the the NBA does it so much better than the NFL like the trade deadline's legit in the NBA NFL is like nothing but hype and then some special teamer you've never heard of for a six rounder is like all that ends up happening
1: yeah. And like we see some swindles, right? Like the, the takes that you're able to have right after are fantastic. Like that Rudy Gobert trade, if if we were like podcasting during that time, which we, we may have been, it may have just like right when we were starting up, we were like exclusively talking about fantasy. Everyone knew it was a bad trade in the moment. And now looking back on it, terrible, terrible trade. And the moment too, with like the New York Knicks, Really looked like they were going to get Donovan Mitchell at a discount. Just like R.J. Barrett and a couple first-rounders. And then they started getting really finicky on the peripherals of that trade. And now look at Cleveland Cavaliers are just like playing like crazy right now with Donovan Mitchell elevating himself into a top-10 player. Like That trade looked good in the moment for the Cavs. It looks even better in hindsight. It's just fun analyzing those as they go down. It's truly like playing a video game, and I freaking love it. Rather than the NFL, it's like Claypool for a second-round pick great yeah very very different worlds all right our uh hot take section that we're doing this week super excited for this one this is a game that i play with uh, one of my buddies and co-workers when we're bored at work um we're gonna we're calling it guess the bag basically the idea here is guess how much a given player is making um we're gonna do it in this year so how much a current player's salary is i have five players that i wrote down Jimmy D has five players that he wrote down, and the alternate person is going to try and guess how much that player is making this season. And then we're gonna we're gonna add up how far off each player was, and then we're gonna add it all up, and whoever's the lowest aggregate wins the game.
0: Perfect. Uh, my I guess, my first one for you then is Tyler Lockett.
1: What is in his bag? No, I'm not cheating here. I promise. I'm, I'm looking up my first guy for you. Oh God, so. I feel like Lockett's second contract, right? He's a little bit older. He's like in that like 29 to 30 range. Um, his, his contract was pretty low to start because he's like a second or third round pick. So I don't think he got a huge bag for his second contract. I'm going to go with 12 million is his salary in 2023.
0: You are not too far off. It was
1: sixteen seven fifty. Six. Wow. Okay. A little um, higher than I was expecting.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, this, I think this makes sense. It's probably third contract, right? So rookie year a uh, deal and then kind of a bigger extension, a guy that stayed stayed with the home team has produced even to at, at his age, you know, any guy that takes off his helmet has a bald spot. You're like, Jesus, is he really like allowed to be out there? But you know, Tyler Lockett absolutely has just been a producer. It, it he deserves a, like an asterisk or like an honorable mention of fantasy hall of fame. If you want a value pick, Tyler Lockett has been the value pick receiver for probably like since he's been in the league, I mean, 10 years of running, it's been like, oh, I have a sixth or seventh rounder. I guess I'll grab Tyler Lockett, wide receiver one production.
1: Yeah, guaranteed like a thousand yards plus or minus 50 yards and like five touchdowns. It's crazy how consistent he is. My first guy that I have for you, though, is the one and only Jared Goof, Jared Goff. Yeah,
0: if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he signed 100 a hundred million year, a hundred million not per year, but a hundred million dollar deal with the Rams when he was extended. But I want to say it was stretched over four or so years. Uh, I I would think his cap hit's got to be like twenty seven and a half million. Twenty
1: seven and a half million. Okay, his actual cap hit is thirty point six five million. So
0: pretty okay, cool. So that's at least closer than than you Earthlock it some. I On think the funny, right now,
1: yeah, you are. I, I think the funniest thing with Goff is so, yeah, he signed a four year, $134 million deal when he was still at the Rams. His career earnings are already crazy, right? $135 million so far, and he's about ready to make $25 million and $26 million with the Lions, unless they trade him. Um, and then upcoming next two years, and then when he's off that contract. He's only 30. Like the dude could play for like 10 more years have a Tom Brady light career. And this year he had 29 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Like there's going to be a team out there that talks This was a hell of a year for team. for him uh, improving
0: his value. I I keep hyping him up as the Lions quarterback of the future and you you keep puking in your mouth
1: every time I say it. Dude, I can't have it. It's got to be someone that can take us to a higher level. This feels very, very Alex Smith-ish if we keep him around. That's all I'm saying.
0: Okay. So then here's the one that's fun for me, but uh, Braxton Berrios, uh, what do you think? You know, the Jets receiver drafted in like the seventh round out of Miami for the Patriots.
1: What do you think Braxton Berrios's, uh upcoming cap hit will be? That's a tough one because like in my mind, I want to say it was like a two-year $12 million deal. Mm-hmm. Like he got something cheap, something low. But also I could see like a Zay Jones deal where he got like four years, 30 million or something like that with some incentives and everything in there. I'm going to go somewhere between. I feel like he's making like eight and a half million.
0: Okay. That's actually a fantastic guess. It's like, Like spot on almost, which is crazy because like to you, like what would you pay Braxton (laughs) Barrios? Oh, like two million. He's (laughs) he's like a in the NBA terms, he's a mid-level exception. Like I don't know why you're paying more than two million a year for this guy. I mean, he returns punts like and gets two catches a game.
1: Yeah, he's the Jay Crowder of the NFL.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so off by two hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars. It was eighty-two. 8.232 8.232 like it's it's such a weird number it's it's definitely incentive laden but 8.2 million for Braxton Berrios
1: That's not bad I'm pretty happy with myself on that one not gonna lie um okay so my next one that I have for you is former Bengals now Jets tight end CJ Uzoma sticking around the Jets yeah this this was
0: like tight ends for the most part are like incredibly underappreciated and and the same token like underpaid but then at the same time like he wasn't great in the first place like I, i'm really racking my brain and i almost want to just copy your barrios one like almost verbatim but i i feel like he's probably like a seven million a year but i'll go seven two five for cj uzama however i feel like it's, it's gonna be stupid and end up being like way bigger
1: yeah well, it's wild with him you actually did pretty good you said seven two five right yeah okay not bad at all Dude, coming into this year, not overly impressive stats with the Bengals. Definitely a strong blocker, but he got a three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal, fifteen million guaranteed, and five million dollars signing bonus. Like, I don't know his who his agent is. It says it's Jimmy Sexton. That guy was a wizard, especially considering that he's already thirty, so he's not necessarily going to be getting better. His cap hit this year is ten point three million. So you're we'll call it three million off. Right on. Okay, it's getting close. It's spicy right now.
0: All right, so your next one's going to be Gilly Lock himself, Stefan Gilmore of the Indianapolis Colts. Wait, what's that nickname?
1: Gilly uh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> I like that. I I, I was looking up Dak Prescott earlier. I forgot to mention it. You know what? One of his nicknames is on Football Reference. It's um... uh, it's the Fortress. <laughs> Who the fuck calls him? Never the fortress? heard that.
0: <laughs> that. That sounds like when you play MLB the Show, and it's like you have five nicknames to choose from that their predetermined announcers can say. Yeah, they're like, like that's what you pick.
1: Yeah, they're like kid appropriate. Yeah, the, the fortress sounds like someone who's never heard Prescott announced on like verbally. They've only ever read it, so they're like Prescott. Maybe that's kind of rhymes with fortress. Like that's so stupid. One of the worst nicknames I've ever seen. Uh, Stefan Gilmore though. Obviously got a huge bag back in the day, right? With um, did did he get the bag with the with the Patriots or did he, he did. get the bag? Yeah, he, okay, no, we yeah. we paid
0: him. We definitely paid him. And then you he wanted to get him. he wanted to get paid again,
1: and we're like, yeah. nah, fam. So we we traded him to the uh, Panthers, for like yeah, a sixth, maybe. Yeah, and it was basically like a cut almost. So you guys didn't really have the dead cap there. And then, yeah, I feel like he probably like he had a bit of a reclamation, I feel like, in my mind. So I feel like he probably he had a fantastic year his last year with the Panthers, which is what got him paid
0: by the Colts.
1: Yeah, I feel like that definitely got him a bigger bag. So if I had to guess the bag, I think he made $12 million this year.
0: That's another very good guess. $11.9 Let's go, that feels good. This, this is your game. Mine's guess the line. Yours is guess the bag.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think about this stuff all the time, man. Uh, I just go to bed thinking about players. So it's always. the game for
0: autists, And here you are just crushing it.
1: Exactly. All righty. So next up, I have former Seahawks defensive end, current Chiefs defensive end, probably the most hated Kansas City Chiefs player just because of his cap hit to actual output ratio. Frank Clark, what do you think he makes?
0: Right, I think that this one's big cuz I'm pretty sure he's super low. Like or wait, ugh, fuck. Maybe I'm I might be mixing it up. Houston crushes it for them. Clark is doing ho hum, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like I don't watch Chiefs games cuz I can't stand them. So this is this is where it's tough, but I'll say his hits pretty big. So I'm going to go with like 19 million.
1: Yeah, his contract's weird. Uh last year it was 13 million, but next year with like all the ways it was structured and such, it was 31 million. Oh, but you're
0: yeah. picking tough ones for me. I I, need, I just made it way too easy on you.
1: Yeah. So you are 12 million off, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: that's that's an awesome selection.
1: I, I didn't realize it was that stark. I knew whenever they made the trade is like a sign and trade kind of thing. Basically, I knew it was ugly on the back end, but I didn't know it was that ugly. They yeah. need to find a way to get out of that.
0: All right, so we'll go with another pass rusher that I spelled incorrectly, but Chandler Jones.
1: Chandler Jones.
0: Another Um, Patriots legend that we didn't decide to keep around, but has been producing nonstop since he's left.
1: Yeah, honestly. You guys got Jude on, which is fantastic. Like He's definitely an all-pro level player too. I think Chandler Jones, just based off that one week one where he had five sacks, I think he got a pretty good bag. He's with the he's with the Raiders now, right? He's with the Raiders, yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like they had to spend too much to get him. If I'm remembering correctly, I think I texted my Raiders buddy, friend, who, I think he actually ended up getting a pretty good deal. Like they got a pretty good discount. If I'm remembering correctly, so I'm gonna go with eight million dollars for Chandler Jones.
0: All I can say is thank you for leaving the door open. His cap hit is nineteen four.
1: Brother, what? Yeah. Very incentive laid in. That's crazy. What? I do not get that at all. Why did the Raiders? God, that's a huge gap hit to be able to work around. Do they have I mean, them around? Better next than year?
0: thirty-one billion.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Do they have them around next year?
0: That I don't know.
1: They have a lot of rebuilding to do on that Raider squad.
0: Uh, like, they've got. They've got some
1: work to do. Yeah, post Clo Mac, they just really. So 20,
0: yeah, that, this was his twenty-three hit. So going into twenty-three, his hit's gonna be nineteen-four. Okay. Twenty-four, it's gonna be nineteen-four, twenty-five, four-eight. So he's got two, they got two more years of him at elite level, and then it drops off. Okay. And so it's just okay. like that back end, like oh, and here's money kicked down the road.
1: Yeah, I and mean, teams are doing that a lot lately. It's like the can sue like, poison pill at the end there. All right, keeping around on defense. I feel like defenders are harder to guess, so I stuck around with that. Bobby Wagner, inside linebacker. Yeah,
0: this right. one, I I think it was, like, one of those, like, weird overpays, and he had a bad contract, if I recall correctly. Like, it, it just was a move that did not work out for the Rams. Uh, I mean, he's been fine, but not what you wanted out of Bobby Wagner. Um. So, I think it's like 13.5, but um, for all I know, it's like 2 million, and I'm just like way off.
1: Nah, you nailed it. 12.75. Okay. That's his hit. So, it dropped down dramatically. Um, a lot of dead cap and everything. It was 1.5 million, basically. And now it's 12.75. So, you're 0.75 off if I can do math. So, okay. Like so, you know, I, the Frank Clark one was one hell of a contract
0: to pick because that one's just, that threw me way off,
1: but. Yeah, like I didn't do too much gaming. I just chose five players that I thought would be interesting. So nice job on that one.
0: Yep. All right, you got George Kittle. So you you gave me a middle of the road tight end. I'm giving you the tight end in George Kittle. So what what do you think he got paid?
1: See, I I don't think the tight ends make that much money, non Mark Andrews and George Kittle division. And like I think Kittle got a lot, but I don't think he got like God tier Deshaun Watson level money. So I think. I think George Kittle signed like a five-year $75 million deal. I i can't do that math in my head, which is kind of disgusting because it's, it's 15 million a year. Yeah. I, I do do accounting for a living. I promise. Um, yeah. I, I'm going 15 mil. Okay.
0: Not too bad. Um, so just for reference, Gronk for the longest time was like a 10 million a year guy. Right. Which is just like absurd for the level of production. Cause he was producing wide receiver one uh, and, and getting like 10 million and like, like left tackle one, like the, the amount that Gronk got underpaid is just absurd. Kittle went into his negotiations. And I don't know if you remember this at all, but he was huge into like, Hey, I'm a wide receiver. Like I would like wide receiver oh, money. Cause yeah. this is some bullshit. So he got 18 mil a year. Oh shit. I went one too far there, but yeah, 18 million year. So pretty good guess in the 15. And that puts your overall incorrectness to 19.6 million. Okay. Uh, so I have a chance if I'm within six hundred thousand here,
1: which is definitely reasonably possible with this next guy. I, I'm I'm happy with that Kittle, But I forgot about those neg- negotiations. Like they didn't get ugly, but it was like a weird like market bending kind of thing. So yeah, good for George Kittle. He definitely got that bag. My last one that I have you guess here is linebacker pass rusher Justin Houston. see
0: you're right defensive players are so much harder to pick because like you kind of know the market and you can like pick market setters for offensive players defense it's a little bit more clouded and and mystery um i feel like he he's on such a great deal because isn't he technically like a is is it him or clark that's technically like the d tackle that then they just ended up moving to defensive end anyway
1: uh yeah i think it was houston yeah
0: Okay, because that puts him on like such a much more chill deal. I feel like he's like nine million, even though he's producing
1: just way, way above that. Okay, yeah, that's why I put him on here. He's only making three point five million. Even though he gone, he he led the Ravens in sacks this year with nine and a half. They haven't had any level of pass rush outside their young guys. And yeah, they only gave him three and a half. So uh, nine minus three and a half. That's uh, what? Five and a half. half? Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely.
0: Yeah, you, you took game. the cake here, man. Good job. I, I have one bonus one for you. Uh, I just went ahead and picked, you know, not great contracts uh, on my team. But what do you think john Smith's cap hit
1: is next year? Oh, balls. OK, I love John U. Smith. I love I Hague. do, too. We
0: just don't love use him.
1: No, not at all. I love Hunter Henry, too. Like as much as people were clowning you guys for those deals, I think that they were. No, 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 Henry's per- been our
0: best weapon as, as far as the past two years.
1: But like the, I feel like the potential of Hunter Henry could be even higher with more volume. I don't know. You watch more Patriots games.
0: It, it could. No, trust me. He is, he is the one of the better offensive players we have.
1: Johnny Smith, I think, signed a four year, fifty million dollar deal. So I'm going to do twelve and a half million.
0: So I, I believe you're correct, and I think what's going to screw you is the the year shenanigans that we've talked about. Uh-huh. Is cap at seventeen four next year? jesus christ but his dead cap is only oh no never mind dead caps 19 million so yeah we can't even like cut him preach like it's just a, such a terrible contract and i was happy when we signed up it's like dude can we please just use him you know what yeah. I mean?
1: he's so athletic and like i remember that first or second game that the titans had him and like he was starting to break out he just ran the length of the field and nobody could catch up with him, just because he's so freaking fast and definitely the thickest neck outside Davis Mills in the NFL. Absolutely. that guy is girthy up top. Let me tell you, I, mean, hey, I, mean, like, I, like I don't know if you
0: remember the the wind game. You know, uh, Mac Jones with what two, maybe three pass attempts. Well, Johnny was one of the completions because he freaking air Jordan the ball. That was like four feet over his head. And it was like one of the more impressive catches you've ever seen. And it was out of a tight end. And it's like, okay, so this guy's a freak athlete. Like, let's draw up plays for him.
1: Yeah. Maybe next year you guys will have an actual offensive he's, coordinator. Yeah, he's, he's my
0: Kyle team. Pitts, my, like the Patriots' Kyle Pitts is Johnny Smith.
1: You just got to use him, Mac. You just got to use him. That's his only default. All righty. Well, that does it for us. Fun episode. Uh, good luck to everyone who has a team in the playoffs this week. <laughs> Uh, sad for us because both of our teams just barely got cucked and barely missed it. But uh, I'm excited for this playoffs. So I'm going to be watching every single minute. So hope everybody has a great ben, weekend. Yeah, honestly,
0: week. if, if you have uh, ideas, because we're we're about to hit the throes of F5 season, so more you know segments like guess the bag We're going to need everything we can get to to keep the content rolling.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll move into F one. Maybe we'll move into more college basketball. Dude, I can't. That I really can't do knows. driving
0: sports. I, I, <laughs> it's it's tough, but um, we'll see. Yes. Yeah. We'll Have a good one, everyone.